Well, hello, church, and welcome to any of you who are guests today. Hola, Iglesia. We are so glad that you are here. You're in the right place as we worship together and today begin a brand new series of study. Uh, before I jump into that, a couple announcements I want you to know about. Last week, we mentioned that Alexander Greer is transitioning off our team after serving with us for a long time in lots of different roles. And we love him, are going to miss him, and we'll plan some things to say goodbye to him. But this week, I get to announce that a month after that, September 15th, John Emmert will be joining our staff team in a very similar role. And we're so excited to have John on the team. Uh, John has served for the past many years at Jefferson City Christian Church, but before that, he actually was on staff here at First Christian while he went to school at Emmanuel. So we're thrilled to have John and Brooke and their family back on our team. Also, be on the lookout for lots of news over the next week to 10 days about our fall strategies for kids, students, and adults. Hey, we know that COVID is crazy and things change every week. New announcements from the governor and the school board and the state and the nation. And so it's hard to keep up. But we're confident that over the next few days uh, and, and weeks, we're going to be rolling out some strategies that can move forward throughout the fall, no matter what happens with COVID. So be paying attention to those and ready to jump in. All right, today we kick off our new series, Masterclass. You've heard of these, right? They're sort of all the COVID rage. I know a few people who've actually started one of these master classes. Interestingly, I don't know of anybody who's finished one, but, but never mind about that. Uh, the idea behind them is super simple. You learn a skill from the very best. Take a master class in magic with Penn and Teller or in directing from Ron Howard or in comedy from Steve Martin. It's sort of like an opportunity to find a new favorite teacher. I know a lot of families watch this together. So kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've had a favorite teacher. Maybe after the message, you can tell your parents all about your favorite teacher. And I bet some of you who maybe aren't kids anymore, you remember back to one or two or three teachers that qualified for that favorite teacher status. The one teacher that you loved so much, that you learned so much from, that where you had so much fun. I've been thinking about what makes a favorite teacher. I mean, it certainly includes expertise, right? They won't be your favorite teacher unless they're good at teaching and good at what they teach. But it's more than that. It also matters the relationship, doesn't it? They won't be your favorite teacher unless you connect with them and have fun with them and like learning from them. There's a little bit of love in a favorite teacher relationship. I've never had a person who qualified as a favorite teacher that I didn't know they loved me and cared for me and that I kind of loved them in return as somebody I could trust and learn from. And there's a commitment to it too, isn't there? A favorite teacher is like in it with you, ready to see you, and they celebrate your successes just as much as they would their own. You like to learn from your favorite teachers. And in turn, you learn more from them because you invest more in the learning. A, a relationship with a favorite teacher is a high-impact relationship. A person's whole future. So a lot of you are teachers, and you are somebody's favorite teacher. Thank you for what you do. Because what you know is that a person's whole future can be changed from an interaction with a favorite teacher. You hear people say it every once in a while. I heard somebody, a great poet, being interviewed, and they said, How did you get into poetry? And they said, well, the first teacher that really cared about me told me 
I was good at poetry. And I believed him. And here I am, 50 years later, nationally famous poet. I, a friend of mine, why did you become a lawyer? And they said, well, I wasn't, I was in high school. And I had a favorite teacher, a history teacher, who told me I'd be a good lawyer someday because all I could do in class was argue. And sure enough, today they're a lawyer. I, I, I know a, a woman my age, she's a scientist today. And uh, if, if you would ask her, why are you a scientist? It said, because when I was in college, I was taking a bunch of required classes and I had to take a science class and my professor just poured into me. They were my favorite teacher. And they said, you could be a scientist. And before that, I'd never thought of that, but I had to take the class. And sure enough, today she's a scientist. And, and this series that we start this week is about the biblical truth that Jesus wants to be your favorite teacher. Jesus wants you to encounter his expertise. He's better at living than anybody, and he wants to share his expertise and how to live with you. He wants to, you encounter a relationship with him, just like with a real favorite teacher here on earth. He wants your relationship with him to be, be real and meaningful and more than just information. Jesus wants to be your favorite teacher because he loves you and cares about you and wants you to love him in return. And Jesus is, is a great candidate to be your favorite teacher because he has made an eternal commitment to you. At the cost of his own life, he's committed to you. That's, a, that's quite a teacher right there. And like with any favorite teacher, your relationship with Jesus is meant to be a high-impact life changing relationship. Uh, one of the reasons we know Jesus wants to be your teacher is because when Jesus was here on earth, many, in fact most, of his early followers gave him the title rabbi. It's just the Jewish word that means teacher, it, it, but it's really more than what we think of as a teacher. A rabbi didn't just stay in a classroom and you went there an hour and two every day. In that day, students who were learning from a rabbi they lived with the rabbi. They ate with the rabbi. They traveled with the rabbi. Uh, they would say, I want to breathe the dust of my rabbi because walking on a dirt road, they'd be so close behind the rabbi that they would breathe the dust from his sandals. That's how close they wanted to live together. They shared life and they learned together in community with the rabbi. So when people went up to Jesus and called him rabbi, that was what they were asking for. They said, we want to learn from you by sharing life with you. But you don't have to just take my word for it that Jesus wants to be your teacher or take their word that they called him rabbi. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's what a teacher says. Come and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the invitation Jesus gives to everybody. Hey, everybody! Come, if you're weary and burdened and weighed down, come and learn from me. He, he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, to understand the point Jesus is making, we have to know what a yoke is. 
Uh, now, we don't mean the yellow part inside of an egg. That's a different kind of yolk. Uh, what we mean, well, I hear, I actually brought one uh, with me today. I was a little worried some of you wouldn't know what a yolk was, but this is a yolk. Uh, this is actually a yolk for goats, so it's a little smaller uh, than um, what you might see for oxen, which is what they probably would have used in Jesus' day. But it's, it's a simple thing. It's a, it's a wooden bar with two wooden loops, and, and the heads of the goat would have actually stuck through the loop. I think I can just fit. Okay, yeah, there you go. And there'd be a goat over there, too, and, and you, know, you might pull a cart or pull a plow or something like that with this yoke. Well, let's see if I can get out. I think I can. Okay, good. My head made it out good. The sermon can continue. All right. So, but this is what a yoke is. And uh, you can see how if you had two animals here pulling together, uh, you could pull something along with this metal ring, and that's how a yoke worked. This one actually is adjustable. If you had a, a strong animal and maybe a younger animal, you would adjust the strong one in and the young one out, and that gives the, the strong one ends up doing more of the pulling, so you could kind of adjust for, for various strengths of the animals that you were working with. And Jesus says... Come, put on my yoke. Now, to understand what he's saying here, you've got to know a little bit about how farm animals were trained with a yoke. If a farmer got a new oxen, they wouldn't just hitch a yoke up to them and go and expect the oxen to know what to do because the oxen would just run wild. No, what they would do is first fix up, hook up an older, stronger oxen to one side of the yoke. And the young, untrained and weaker oxen to the other. And then they would go out and plow the field. Early in the day, the young oxen would pull against the plow, trying to go too fast and get away. And the old oxen, who knew there was a long day of work ahead, would slow down and pull back and keep the young oxen checked. Late in the day, the young oxen, now exhausted from his frustrated pulling and tugging against the wisdom of the farmer, would be worn out, too tired to pull. But the old oxen, having saved strength for the full day, would then take over the weight and finish the work. And over time, by being yoked together with the wiser, older oxen, the, the young ox would learn. Now, let's be clear. At first, this would be a pretty unpleasant process for the young ox used to running and going wherever it wanted to at its own speed, at its own pace, and now being held back by the will of the farmer and the strength of the older, wiser oxen. But untrained, that young ox is useless. Trained, disciplined, taught, instructed, it becomes useful and good, able to contribute to its own health and livelihood and that of the whole farm. So when Jesus says, come and wear my yoke, he's making the most interesting offer. He says, hey, why don't you come and get hitched up with me? Come get hitched in to my life. When he says learn from me, he doesn't just mean intellectually learn about me. He doesn't mean just kind of learn a bunch of facts. He means share my life. Like a student would with a rabbi, learn the rhythm of my life. You see, when you enter the master class of Jesus, he wants to do so much more than save you. He wants to teach you how to live. And of course, he says something very important. He says, don't worry. 
When you take my yoke upon you, it will be gentle and restful. My burden is light. And this is important because the yoke of every master is not always pleasant. In fact, in Jesus' day, this phrase, to take on the yoke, was actually used when a people was conquered. When a nation was conquered, they would say they are are now under the yoke of Rome. Or under the yoke of the general. Or under the yoke of some local king or despot. It was a way of talking about the burden and the suffering that cruel lords of this world would inflict upon their subjects. That kind of yoke, Jesus knows, will destroy people. But he says, my yoke is different. When you learn from me, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. It's the one yoke you would voluntarily get into so that you can be part of the useful work of the master good gardener. But just because the burden is light, it doesn't mean you won't be changed by the yoke of Christ. You will. Being yoked up to Jesus should change you. Like the young ox held back in the morning from rushing off too fast and then pulled forward in the evening when its strength has failed. Being yoked up to Jesus should sometimes pull us back when we're about to speak a word of criticism or about to fall into an old habit of sin. Being yoked up to Jesus should sometimes call us forward when we're going to give in to temptation or when we're going to give up on a task that is hard. Being yoked to Jesus will, will pull you out of bed on a Sunday morning to worship, whether you're coming to the building or you're heading to the living room in your PJs. Being yoked up to Jesus should also tug at you. It should be a little bit uncomfortable to be in the yoke with Jesus when you have unconfessed sin growing increasingly uncomfortable the longer you refuse to move forward in repentance. But this is the master class of Jesus, the invitation he makes. Get yoked up with me so that I can teach you how to live. And the yoked up life that Jesus offers should not only change our actions, it should also change how we think. Paul makes reference to this important invitation that Jesus gives us to come and learn from him in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He writes this, by the humility and gentleness of Christ. Those are the two words that Jesus used in the text in Matthew 11, so we know he's referencing that. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect towards some people who think that we should live by the standards of the world. He says, some of you, you've gotten yoked up in the world. It's the world that's telling you when to pull forward and when to pull back. He says, for though, look at verse 3, for though we live in the world, We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Can you see again how Paul has in mind the image of two animals yoked together? 
The one that gets in its head, I want to run off and do this and go slow and pull back. And the other wiser one who says, no, be yoked with me and go in the direction I'm going. Paul is referencing the invitation from Jesus to be yoked up with him. And he warns us how easy it is to get yoked up to the world. To take our cues about when to go and where to go and how fast to go and what to do and what to say from the world around us. He specifically says when we get yoked up to the world, we are tempted to use the, world weapon, the world's weapons. He says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. When we're yoked up to the world, the weapons of the world become so tempting to us. And we see it around us, the the weapons of, of violence and riots and power and fear and infighting and dissension and lies. And all these weapons are available to us. And we see in our world today the temptation of people saying, this is the weapon I'll use to accomplish my agenda. But Paul says, no, not us. Not those who follow Christ, not those who are learning from Christ. We will not fight with the weapons of the world, for we are yoked up with Christ. And we will stay in step with Jesus. And for Paul, this means what we think as well. We've got to get our minds yoked up with Jesus so that our thoughts are held captive. And they cannot run away from Jesus' thoughts. In my journey with Christ, there's a lot more I need to do. There's a lot of sin left in me and a lot of growth I need. But I also, at this point, can look back at some key moments of spiritual breakthrough where I grew closer to Jesus. And one of the most important spiritual breakthroughs of my life came from meditating on this text, 2 Corinthians 10.5. When I took this verse seriously and began to invite Christ to take my thoughts captive. Now, I don't do it perfectly. Still, in times of fear or stress or exhaustion, I fall short. I pull against the yoke. I sit back in resentment while Jesus says it's time to move forward. Or I rush off and pull against the side of the yoke while Jesus says it's time to continue straight. But I have changed. As I began to systematically say to every thought that entered my mind, Is this thought from the mind of Christ? Or have I yoked my mind to the world and I'm being pulled by the thoughts of the world? If you need a spiritual breakthrough, this might be what you need to do too, to say, I'm going to yoke my mind to Jesus Christ. I'm going to take my thoughts captive and just ask, is this a thought of Christ or is this a thought that I've learned from the world? Too many of us still live like wild oxen, not yet submitted to the yoke of Christ, not yet said, I'm going to strap in and fall in step. Maybe in some areas you're submitting, but in some you've thrown off the yoke and you're running ahead too fast or you're pulling back in fear. So over the next several weeks, we are going to intentionally learn from Jesus, our teacher, our rabbi, The one who says, come and live with me. Come and learn from me. We'll submit to his yoke. We'll let him teach us how to pray and love and fellowship and vote. How to mourn, how to worship, and how to live. 
And this would be my prayer for you. Whether it's your first Sunday with us and you're just tuning in because a friend sent you the link, or whether you've been worshiping a long time, my prayer for you would be do not resist the yoke of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I know what it is to want to run wild, to go at my own pace and to go in my own direction. But Jesus says that his pace is better, his path is for us, that he wants to lead us into life. And if we wander off on our own, we'll be led to destruction, that he has a life that is better if only he, we would be taught to walk with him. One more time, hear this invitation from Jesus' own words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And don't be afraid. I know other people who want to put a yoke on you. They want to push you down and tear you down, but not Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will from me find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the invitation Jesus has for you in this moment and in the weeks and months and years to come. Come, learn from the Master. Let's pray. Gracious God, correct me in the ways that I have ignored the teaching of Jesus in my life. Let me feel the pull of the yoke on my shoulders where I have run off my own way. Let me feel the tug where I have shrunk back from the good God is calling me to do. And gracious God, may we, your people, as your church, learn less from the world and learn more from Jesus. For he is our true master, our true teacher, and we long to be his students. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.